Once again, it's a joy to welcome into our studios once again on a Thursday afternoon, Senior Pastor and Teacher of Calvary Bible Church, Pastor Alan Lee. Thank you, Kino. Good afternoon, everyone. Again, we thank you for tuning in to Talking It Through Biblically. It's always a joy to be here with you to uh, discuss the things of God along with you and to look into His Word to see what He has to say concerning how we are to live for Him in today's world. Now, today's program actually is going to be uh, listener-driven, if you will. Uh, we have uh, two special guests. You'll be hearing from one of them, I understand, for sure. The other one I'll try to persuade to uh, say something as we go along the way. But we have two very special guests in our, our studio. And um, we'll be opening lines for you to uh, ask questions or make comments concerning our topic, which I'll describe in a moment. Uh, however, if um, we don't get enough calls in, uh, calls into our studio, the second part of the program will resume our discussion on capital punishment. As you know, there is still a, a renewed interest in this particular topic at this time. We did one or two broadcasts on this issue as, as, as already from a biblical point of view, and many questions have come in, so we will open the lines for that. Uh, if we have uh, the time to do that. But we want to focus this afternoon on ministry for the hearing impaired, the deaf folk in our communities here. Let me begin our time together by reading a passage of Scripture. You know it quite well, but I want to read uh, the context so you will get the full gist of uh, the passage here. It's Romans chapter 10. And I'll begin reading from verse 5. Again, it's for context. Although it's only one passage or one verse I want to focus on. It says, For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by the righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believes in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with this fantastic verse, and that's verse 15 of Romans 10. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that wonderful? Whoever. That means you, me, or anyone else. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's essential to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Amen? Now listen to verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So now we understand that hearing is essential to trust Christ. But believing uh, is also essential. We have to hear 
in order to believe. How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Now, normally when we read this passage of Scripture, especially in missionary conferences and everything, we think of those who live in the jungles, those who have never had uh, the Scriptures um, in written form, have never heard the name of Jesus, and our hearts go out for that, and we make an appeal, and a lot of folk give their funds in order to reach those who have never heard the gospel. But you know, there's a group of unreached people, an unreached group right in our own community who have never heard the gospel. That's the deaf, the hearing impaired, as we call them today. Have you ever thought of that? Well, today it's our joy and our privilege to have here in our studio a couple whom the Lord has called into this very vital ministry of reaching the deaf for Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to be talking with them today. They're going to be sharing that passion and that need and to discuss a little bit about uh, the possibility of beginning uh, a ministry here in the Bahamas, a school for the deaf, with the primary purpose of being a means of reaching them with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you are involved in any kind of a ministry with the deaf, or if you uh, have a family friend or family or friend who is deaf, um, perhaps you know of other individuals, any kind of involvement or contact, we want you to listen carefully and call in with your comments. We want to know what you think about, especially from the, for those of you who are in, in, in the churches, uh, how are you reaching the deaf in your local congregation? What needs do you see there? We want you to call in and share with us as we go along in this program. But right now, it's my privilege and my joy to introduce to you this couple. In fact, I'm going to ask him uh, to introduce uh, he and his wife himself to us. Brother Clark, it's a joy to have you here and talking it through biblically on ECB today. Would you just introduce yourself to the Bahamian people at this time? Thank you, Pastor Lee. It is indeed a real joy and privilege for my wife and I to be back in Nassau and to be able to spend some time with you on your program. And uh, thank you for the opportunity of sharing some uh, time, allowing me to share some time with your folk on the needs of the deaf. I am Ernest Clark, and my wife is Mary. Uh, Mary is from South Carolina, originally, United States. I was born in the island of Jamaica. I believe a lot of our people have already detected that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an accent that can't be missed too easily, sure. especially when you're in this part of the neck of the world. And uh, I grew up in Jamaica. Um, my father and had a farm. We had bananas and oranges and cattle, coffee, chickens, and it was a great time living on the farm. That's where I was raised, and um, that's a little bit of our past. We are currently living in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, where we are better poised to be able to reach the deaf around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, your ministry is called International Christian Centers for the Deaf. Now, Brother Ernest, can you tell 
tell us exactly how God led you into this ministry and why do you think this is a, an important ministry? Thank you. While farming in Jamaica, we had an evangelist from the United States who used to bring pastors to Jamaica and to Haiti to expose them to missions. One year when he came down shortly after my dad had died, I was only 21 at the time, uh, he said to my mother and myself, there is a school for the deaf in your town that is in need of some help and he encouraged both of us to come on to the board of that school. And so at the age of 21, I had the privilege of joining the board and uh, being the vice chairman of that board and played that role for more than 30 years in the ministry in Jamaica. While working from a board perspective, administrative perspective, God began to open my eyes to the needs of not just the deaf that were in our present school. At the time, there were probably 30 children in our residential school, but God began to burden me. What about the other 2,000 deaf children in Jamaica that have never once heard the name of Jesus Christ? I tried to push it aside. I tried to say, Lord, you know, we're doing a pretty good job right now. We're reaching some. Uh, isn't that good enough? But I began to remember and to realize afresh that God died for all the deaf, not just a few, that they too needed to hear. Mm -hmm. And so we began the process of expanding the ministry in Jamaica into two more additional uh, residential schools for the deaf. And um, beyond that, the Lord began to show us, look, there are existing schools that the government has with the deaf what are you doing to reach them with the gospel? Uh, and once again, the God graciously opened the doors for us to place a teacher in those schools who had chapel times. And it was amazing uh, to see the number of children, the deaf children that came to know the Lord as their savior. Within three years, probably 80% of those children had made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And the administration of the school was particularly thrilled because the behavioral patterns of the deaf children in the school began to change. The disciplinary problems became not as significant. And the solutions to the problems, we now were able to bring in God as a part of the whole process of changing the problems that the deaf had there. So that's where we began our work and involvement with the deaf. And then in the mid-80s, God began to say to me, what about the deaf in the rest of the world? What is being done to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I tell you, I had a little struggle with the Lord. Lord, I'm a farm boy, born and raised in the hills of Jamaica. Don't ask me to go reach the deaf in this big, big world. You need some of those more influential and well-known people to do it. But I struggled for, for weeks until I finally said, yes, Lord, if that's what you want, I will go. I will be willing to do what you want in reaching the deaf in other countries around the world. And that began the bigger picture. Uh, so... Um as far as your ministry concerned, is this an independent ministry? Are you in any way backed by a church or denomination or anything like that? 
It's an interdenominational evangelical mission mm -hmm. supported by different churches, um, not any one in particular, not any one denomination in particular, okay. by churches who share our statement of faith, the basic essentials that we as evangelicals hold regarding our faith in Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and his plan of salvation. Great. Okay. Um, how many schools do you have in Jamaica, and do you have any schools anywhere else? My involvement in Jamaica was for many years, and I resigned from that work, or retired maybe, <laughs> from that work two years ago. But at the time that we left Jamaica, we had three residential schools for the deaf, and we were working in about five of the government schools for the deaf. Um, and we had begun the creation of a village for deaf people to live in where we were providing a church that saw the needs of the deaf and as they saw the needs the church began to meet those needs by providing work for them mini hospital where the doctors knew, had those that could interpret for the deaf um, and the, this church had been planted and the village had begun in Jamaica at the time that we left. That's in Jamaica. Okay, good. Uh, and uh, any, any place else, any other schools anywhere yet? Yes, uh, God has graciously allowed us to have another, resident, another school in northeast Mexico, right on the border almost with Texas. Uh, that work is going well. Uh, the other country we're working in, and that's a very different and fascinating work that God is doing, is in Cuba. And the Lord opened the way for us to get in there. We're not involved in schools in Cuba. The picture is very different. Castro has a real passion for the education of his people. And Castro has, I think, about 11 residential schools for the deaf throughout the island. So every deaf person in Cuba already knows sign language. And so we did not get involved there. Instead, we went to the churches. Now let, me, let me just ask you, you said every deaf person in Cuba knows sign language? That is pretty close. That's Be an amazing thing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Uh, Castro has educational officers that uh, patrol the streets of every town and city to ensure that every child is in school. Amazing. And if they are deaf, they are sent to a deaf school, blind mm -hmm. to a blind school. But every child is given an education. There are a few exceptions in the remote mountains of Cuba where as I understand it, those there's a little community of deaf that we found there that were not educated in any of Castro's schools. But some of our Cuban deaf and Christian interpreters heard of them, went and visited them so remote that a truck couldn't get there. They had to get on a mule and oh, a man. donkey. <laughs> okay. That's fascinating to hear that. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, though, Brother Clark, I'd like for you to, uh, again, share with me a little bit why do you think it's so important to reach the deaf. And also, I want you to describe for us um, exactly what you do in your schools. 
what the school is all about and, and so on. And for those of you who are listening, uh, Kano will give you the numbers again, and we encourage you to call in with your question or comments. If you have any interest in this area, if you have a child or a family member or uh, anyone that, that is deaf and you know the, the different the problems that might exist, we want you to call in. Uh, if you know anything about some of the ministries that are going on right now in Nassau, and we're thankful that there are, uh, several uh, centers, two at least. Uh, we know that the Salvation Army uh, works with the deaf as well as the, uh, the the Center for Deaf here in the Bahamas, and we're thankful for that ministry. But if you're listening, or if you know someone who's involved who is not listening, give them a call. Ask them to call into ECB. Keep Motivation, Okay, Brother Clark, uh, tell us a little bit about um, how the Lord has impressed upon your heart the need for reaching the deaf, and a little bit about um, what the schools that you founded, uh, how exactly what happens in those schools. Thank you, Pastor Lee. As far as the needs for the deaf are concerned, sometimes it's very easy to get complacent and to feel, well, you know, I have helped one or two deaf people and feel that that's the end of one's responsibility. Until one looks at God's word and realize that he made it very clear that the good news, the gospel, is to be preached in every tribe, to every nation, and to every tongue. And I'm grateful that God's plan of salvation encompasses every person. If it didn't encompass every person, maybe I would not have heard about Jesus Christ. I would be lost without hope, without a relationship with God, and without any confidence in my walk each day. And so... I have not been able to satisfy myself that the task is done until the deaf in every country, in every tribe, has had an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. And as long as God <clears throat> gives me health and strength, that is my task, my joy, my privilege, and what I will do. Maybe I could share a story of an event that happened to me in Jamaica in the early years that I've, of my involvement with the deaf to help illustrate this. We had decided to expand our current faci our facilities at the time. We had 80 children in residence, wanted it to go up to 150. And so appointments were made at different points in Jamaica to meet the parents of children, of, of children that were deaf. I remember going to Ocherius near Duns River Falls and was to have met about seven parents, only about three came. One of them, the parent and child only lived 15 minutes away, so we got in my four-wheel drive Land Rover from the farm and rattled up the hill and we ran out of road. We got out, we started walking on a dirt pathway past a few homes asking, where can I find Sophia? Eventually we were pointed to this home, um, no running water, no electricity, no modern conveniences. 
I was greeted by what we call in Jamaica a maga dog, a little thin dog <laughs> that came running out barking at me. And then I was very relieved to see this woman come out, calm the dog, and I said, are you Sophia's mother? She said, yes. She had several children. Sophia was about four, hanging on to her dress. And in the process of talking, I said, why didn't you come to our appointment? Didn't you get the letter? Yes, I did, but I, I didn't have enough money to pay the bus to take me down to where you were and to bring me back. At first, I was getting a little annoyed, and then I be God began to open my eyes. I began to see a mother that loved her daughter, but was very, very frustrated. A mother who had no means of communicating with her daughter, no means of being able to share any of the values that were important to her, not even able to ask her daughter what she needed, what she would like, or what she didn't like. Observing the little deaf girl, Sophia, and the little thin dog, both of them running around in the yard, I began to realize that the mother could no better communicate with her daughter than she could with the little thin dog. If the dog did something nice, she would give him a cracker. If her daughter did something good, she was given a sweet. If either of them were naughty, they got it across the back end. But why? There was no way of even explaining that. If either of them wanted an expression of love, there would be a pat for the dog, a hug for the daughter but no verbal communication. And I began to see a mother that was very, very frustrated, wanting better for her child, but not knowing how, and being quite confused. As I looked on, I began to ask myself, what is it like to be deaf? I looked at Sophia again and realized, you know, Sophia cannot even hear this little thin dog bark. Sophia cannot hear her mother's sweet voice when she calls out, Sophia, come back, don't wander away. She's never heard the birds singing in the tree, and should she wander a little away from the home, never heard the roar of the powerful truck engines. And as sad as all that was, I realized the saddest truth and fact was she had never heard the name Jesus Christ even once. No means of hearing of the love of God, of Calvary, of God's plan of salvation, of heaven, and of the blessings of God, and an in, of the ability of an intimate walk and relationship with her God. I was a broken man when I left. I thank God I've not forgotten Amen. that day, nor that event. And Sophia represents just one of millions of deaf around our world. I went to the United Nations website to find out how many deaf are in our world and was shocked. 70 million deaf are in our world found in every city, in every country of our world and realize that they too have a need to hear about Jesus Christ and his love. Amen. That's quite a story. I, I think in my discussions with you, you mentioned that uh, roughly or estimating there about 1% uh, 
of the world's population who are deaf. Now that holds true. That means here in the Bahamas we have approximately 300,000 people here. We have at least 3,000 folk who are deaf. That's quite a number of, uh, of people here for us. Uh, you've been out here uh, several times and you have uh, interacted with uh, churches concerning your ministry. How has the reception been for you? Have you seen any interest in the ministry and, and, and uh, what you would like to do here at all? Yes, I have. I have come to really appreciate the people in the Bahamas. I appreciate the government of this country that is very sympathetic to religious freedom and has encouraged the church and ministries of the church. I have been blessed to meet a few of the pastors and have found them very interested in um, realizing how many deaf really are in Nassau. 3,000 is a lot. Um, and some of them have questioned, is it really that many? We don't see them very often. And that's a very good question, but let's reflect back to the parents of a deaf child. A parent of a deaf child, in her love and compassion, does not want their child to go out on the street where they cannot hear a car horn or car engine, and therefore they become protective and keep them at home. They are reluctant to take them out into a social setting because of the inability of hearing people to properly communicate with their deaf child, creating sometimes awkward situations. So that the deaf children tend to be kept at home where they can be protected and loved. But according to all research that we have found, there are about 1% of the population mm. is deaf. And I thank God for the reception of the churches. They're currently evaluating what can be done to help the deaf, how we can reach the deaf with the gospel through their churches. What would you like to see uh, accomplished here in Nassau? What would you like to see set up here? I believe the quickest way to get the gospel to the deaf is through the churches. And I'll tell you why. First of all, how do you share the gospel with the deaf? You can't preach it, they can't hear. So we need some means of communication. Thank God for sign language. Sign language is a communication skill that allows us to share the gospel with the deaf. Let's remember the deaf child does not know sign language naturally, like our hearing children growing up know English because they're raised in an English-speaking family. What they do know are home gestures, which have a very limited vocabulary and very limited means of communication. So the way to get the gospel to the deaf is then to teach them signs, which has tremendous integrity in communication abilities. We believe that the churches would be the best place to do this, using one of their Sunday school rooms maybe during the week where two of the Sunday school teachers or two members of their congregation can meet with the deaf children that are brought in, teach them sign language. Once that is taught, they can then share the gospel with the deaf. The facilities are very often already there in the church 
not being used during the normal school hours during the week and I think could be profitably used in this manner. Mm, okay. Uh, again, I think uh, the, there's someone out there who is involved in the church uh, that has a um, deaf ministry. If so, I'd like to hear from you. Do you have a church that is involved in the deaf ministry? If so, what do you find uh, positively and negatively? Do you have any problems or difficulties? Do you have families in your congregation who have deaf uh, members uh, and you find it a little difficult as far as your church life is concerned or whatever? We want to hear from you. Uh, we have a few more minutes left with these folk, uh, the clerks, but we'd like to hear from you. Any kind of experience you might have with the deaf, any, do you think this is a real need here for, with the churches? Do you believe that your church could be uh, interest or be involved in this kind of a ministry? We want you to, to give us a call. Um, we're going to take uh, another break. And uh, we want Kena will give you the numbers again. Uh, we'd like to hear your calls, though, before we sign off with the clerks. They are representing the International Christian Centers for the Deaf. So please give us a call. Thank you, Kino. Again, our guest in the studio today is Brother E.P. Clark. He's with the International Christian Centers for the Deaf. I believe we have our first call. Hello, you on ECB? Hello, Brother Liz. Hi. Uh, I I know I know Grace deals with that. They have a good deaf ministry is going up there. They have a lot of deaf people and they're doing a wonderful job of this. So probably someone could contact them and they might be interested in helping people. Yeah, Brother Roll. Um, we, in fact, we've just had a discussion not too long ago with Pastor uh, Bethel, Lyle Bethel. I was, I was listening to the show. Yeah, terrific. Hey, do you, if you listen, if you know of any of the folk who are involved in the ministry there, why don't you give them a call and ask to call into the show and talk to us about that? Well, I don't know. What, I know. I don't know if they're there now. But well, they, I don't, I'm sure they, they office, won't be. I'm sure they, they won't be. But they, I mean, they if they won't be in yeah, but I mean, if you know a member, a person who's involved in the ministry, maybe. But if not, listen, I appreciate your calling, Errol. Okay, thank you. Thanks a lot for, for, for calling in. All right. That's right, I'm sure Grace is involved. They have a tremendous uh, deaf ministry um, going on right now, and it was a joy having the time to talk with Pastor Bethel uh, not too long ago. So we're thankful for that. Uh, Brother Clark is going to be telling us a little bit more about the circumstances involving deaf families and the need to teach um, parents and so on as well how to communicate. Why don't you share a little bit about that for us, uh, Brother Clark? Thank you, Pastor Lee. Sort of building on the story I just gave regarding Sophia and her mother and her mother's inability to communicate with her child, I believe that one of the functions that the church could have if they were to create a school for the deaf within their facilities would be in the evenings to have maybe two evenings a week making their facilities open for parents of deaf children to come in. During that time, 
the teachers of the who know sign language could teach the parents sign. This would now allow the parents to nurture and communicate effectively with their children, give them advice, love them, ask questions, and give them answers. Uh, a very important tool to strengthen the family bond and the family ties. I think it's also a great time when the church can help those parents with these particular challenges of how do you cope with a deaf child? What are the struggles and peculiar problems that a deaf child has? Um, the teachers in the school, we could provide them with training regarding these problems, training concerning possible solutions, and this could become a very, very effective mm. community type of ministry that the church could have to parents of deaf children. There are other aspects that the church can get involved in in helping the deaf once they have created the school in their church. Again, Pastor, please, Allow me to emphasize the emphasis is not a church, is not a school for the deaf. The emphasis is obtaining communication skills with the deaf, to share with them our faith, to share with the parents how they can love and care for their children, and now some other opportunities would be, for example, professionals in the church. I believe there are professionals who want a form of helping people and ministering to people and find that they cannot do it through, because they're not a teacher, through the Sunday school opportunity. Instead, I think they could be, have a significant impact and ministry to the deaf, where when a deaf person wants to go to the doctor, how does that deaf person tell the doctor what is wrong? Mm -hmm. By having an interpreter from the church go with them to the doctor, that becomes possible. If the doctor even sees an obvious physical need that the deaf person has, such as a, a wide open wound on their leg, how does the doctor tell the deaf person how to care for that wound? Mm -hmm. Again, by having interpreters in the church, that professional doctor can now have an effective ministry to the deaf. The type of professionals we're looking at would be doctors, lawyers, accountants, giving some simple advice on how to balance your checkbook and how to make a simple budget, civic affairs, how do the deaf relate to the Bahamian government and what organizations are there within the government structure that they can benefit from, as well as social with their friends and within their families. Tremendous opportunity for various, every profession in the church to get involved in a ministry that would become very meaningful to the deaf. Man, that sounds exciting, you know, and you, you hit a nerve because I've heard, uh, heard stories in our own congregation of uh, uh, some of our deaf folk who go to hospitals, for instance, and the difficulties and the problems they have in communicating their, their situation and in courts and different things like that for legal matters. So there's a real need out there. Okay, um, we just have a few more moments left here. Um, it's been a joy having you with us today, uh, Brother Clark. Now, as we go off, do you have anything special, any other message you'd like to hear, or you'd like our people to hear before you close out today? 
My plea would be for those who are listening that know the Lord as their Savior. Would you join us in praying for the deaf in the Bahamas? Not just in Nassau, but in the family islands. I plead with you to take a few moments and try and put yourself in the shoes of a deaf child, a deaf teenager, a deaf young adult, a deaf pregnant woman, and ask God how he would have you to intercede for them. And trust God with us that his will will be accomplished, that his, God's good news of his salvation will reach to these people, bearing in mind that salvation leads each one into that intimate relationship with God. That relationship which we as Christians treasure. That relationship which many of us even take for, take, take a, for, for granted. Some of us, I fear, even take the privilege of prayer lightly. Put yourself in a deaf person's shoes who has never once heard the name of Jesus Christ and who has never once had the privilege of bowing their heart and head and knee before the Savior and finding the comfort and the joy and the lasting security that our loving Savior longs to give to them Indeed, he died that they too might be able to enjoy it. Pray with us. I ask you to look ahead in the future and remember that one day we as his children will have the, the joy of being before the throne and seeing the Lamb sitting on that throne and how our hearts will thrill to see him. How our hearts will thrill to realize this is the God I have loved and worshipped and served all my days and then will come that bubbling praise and adoration that he is worthy, worthy to receive all praise, all honor, all glory, all majesty. Will the deaf be there? Why not? Why not? Pray with us, I ask you. Thank you, Pastor Lee. been our privilege to be with you. Thank Amen. you, sir. What a challenge. It's a joy and a challenge to have you here. Let me just close out the way we started by reading from this passage again, Romans chapter 10. How shall they preach unless they... I'm sorry, let me start with verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Now notice this it's part of the verse. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good tidings. You know, Brother Clark, that's what you are. You have beautiful feet to the deaf because you are providing the means whereby they could hear in their way. 
the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you for bringing those beautiful feet here in the Bahamas, and you can be sure of our prayers. Okay, folks, we're going to have our final break, and then when I come back, we will close out with a few remarks. Uh, but we want to thank you for uh, tuning in this far. And if you have any uh, additional information you want to know about the, the uh, ministry, International Christian Centers for the Deaf, uh, give us a call here at the, at the church or at the studio, and we'd be very glad to help you. Again, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Clark, the Lord bless you, and please be assured of our prayers as you continue in your ministry. Okay, thank you, Kino. I just want to uh, conclude our time together uh, with a few more comments concerning capital punishment. And I do this because of certain questions that were asked and individuals who thought that perhaps a couple of uh, points need to be re-emphasized. And I'd like to do that in the closing moments of of our uh, time together. And and that was a very uh, challenging discussion with the clerks and the ministry to the deaf. And I trust that those of you who have heard that, uh, that portion of the program will continue to pray for that ministry and also make yourself available and to help in any way you can to meet the desperate needs, in some cases, of the deaf in our community. Now, two important points that were made in my discussion concerning capital punishment, and this seems, as I said, to be of high interest today because uh, there is still... um, Letters being written to the editors, there's still comments being made on the radio and on other programs and so on. But one is the government's role uh, in in, uh, executing capital punishment as a part of its legal system. And also, what is the real core principle for capital punishment from a biblical perspective? And I believe the scripture teaches that that has to do with the dignity of the human life. And that dignity is not determined by our perspective or evaluation, but rather on what God says. So I want to close out our time together in just briefly talking about those two matters. You see, if you look at the the scriptures that deal with capital punishment, especially uh, where capital punishment is instituted along with uh, government, and of course that's in the in the in the book of Genesis in chapter nine, where at the beginning of the uh, God repopulating the earth, and Noah now becomes as it were the new Adam. He becomes the new father of the human race. This is what God says to him. He says, "Surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it, and from every man, from every brother's brother." I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. That's the crucial passage for us to understand. I want you to see that in this passage, we have from a theological perspective, a biblical perspective, government and capital punishment are instituted at the same time. In fact, Capital punishment is seen here as being as one of the primary reasons for government. It is its highest responsibility as far as scriptures are concerned. 
In other words, government must reflect the religious nature of its foundation as an institution or else it cannot and will not uphold the true dignity of man. They go hand in hand. It is this fact that gives man his value, and it is a matter of divine revelation, not human reasoning. We must understand this. If this truth of man's dignity is removed from the workings of government, then all the evils of exploitation, oppression, will automatically come into play because man will be seen only as a commodity, a thing to be used rather than a human being with dignity and a personal and individual purpose for his existence. Now, my friends, listen carefully. I repeat what we said last time. This theological and biblical principle must not be excluded from any discussion on capital punishment in the Bahamas. And this is demanded by the fact that our Constitution is based upon, or at least reflects, Judeo-Christian principles, which, of course, are in turn based upon the Word of God, both the Old and New Testaments. You see, the fact that God invests human government with the right, the responsibility, and power to use force to assure and maintain the safety of human beings shows that there are evil tendencies within men that must be restrained. The right and power and the responsibility to administer capital punishment is invested, I repeat, in established government as an institution, not in the individual. In other words, in keeping with the teaching of the New Testament, and in particular, Romans chapter 13, this represents a divine vengeance and retribution, not individual or personal vengeance. This is very important. You see, government, through its police and legal system, according to Romans 13, is God's agency of wrath toward evildoers. This is therefore to assert that murder is first and foremost and essentially an act of rebellion and violence toward God rather than the human victim. I believe that it is because of this, this biblical fact, rather, the fact that it is not recognized that the state and many well-meaning people, but misguided human rights activities included, have given such a humanistic attitude toward capital punishment. They leave out the theological and biblical ingredient which can which is, which is the only true source for man's dignity you see these individuals though well intended make the mistake of thinking that murder is primarily against the individual or the state rather than against god and so government they say can devise its own punishment or lack thereof for this crime without regard to the revealed mind and purpose of god Thus, there is actually an attempt in our community today to make it appear as though it's wrong to punish criminals for crimes and that such punishment itself is evil. Now, according to some, it is, that is, capital punishment for a convicted murderer is barbaric, they say. And it says that um, God is even barbaric in the Old Testament because he endorsed such an execution of the murderer. The sovereignty of God, my friend, today has been replaced with the sovereignty of the individual. Now the concern is 
not the upholding of the dignity, honor, and sovereignty of God, but the man-imposed dignity, honor, and sovereignty of man himself. In other words, the sacredness of human life is not seen to be based any longer on the fact that man is made in the image of God, as the Bible teaches, but that life is valuable because man is man. Little do Christians seem to realize that the struggle in our community today over this issue, as well as many other social concerns, is between God's absolute standards of morality, justice, and his law order, and man's lawless self-empowerment and autonomy. Let me close with this statement. Man's law and thinking says human life is too valuable to take, but God's law says it's the taking of the life of one who unjustifiably takes a life that upholds the value, sacredness, and dignity of human life made in his image. Let me repeat as I close. Man's law and thinking today says human life is too valuable to take. But on the contrary, God's law says it's the taking of the life of one who unjustifiably takes the life that upholds the value, sacredness, and dignity of human life made in his image. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. Motivation, inspiration, education, easy